Welcome to episode 39 of Lil Muck, an affiliate of the Odd Pods Media Network. This is a tiny slice of the Muck podcast where we talk to people in the media and politics about their favorite stories or experiences. I'm Tina Jaramillo. And I'm Hillary Doherty. Today we are interviewing President and Executive Director of the Florida Rights Coalition, Desmond Mead. Hillary, tell us about today's guest. Desmond Mead is a formerly home formerly homeless returning citizen who overcame many obstacles to eventually become the president of the Florida Rights Restoration Coalition, also known as FRRC, chair of Floridians for a Fair Democracy, and a graduate of Florida International University College of Law. As president and executive director of FRRC, Desmond led the FRRC to a historic victory in 2018 with the successful passage of Amendment 4, a grassroots citizen and citizens initiative which restored voting rights to over 1.4 million Floridians with past felony convictions. Recognized by Time Magazine as one of the most 100 most influential people in the world for 2019, Desmond present, presently leads efforts to empower and civically re-engage local communities across the state and to reshape local, state, and national criminal justice policies. Welcome to the podcast, Mr. Mead. Hey, it's a pleasure being there. You know, I, for a minute, I thought that reading all of that was going to take up all of our time. <laughs> that was a lot you were reading. You have no oh, wow. idea. You have no idea. I tell Tina every time, make sure the bio's not that long. And then I start, and I go, I told her before we started, yes. no, it looks good. It looks no, good. And then I get in the middle. And we don't want to leave anything out well, of these amazing accomplishments. How is it to, to hear all of that, though? Is it overwhelming? You know, sometimes it is. Yeah. You know, and I'm like, I'm wondering, wow, is that me? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I bet, I bet. I mean, yeah. you have accomplished quite a bit and um, done so much work that benefits so many people. So many people in Florida. So, yeah. tell us about um, the FRRC. Why? Did, why is the coalition important to you? And and um, and why did you want to start it? Well, you know, the Florida Rights Restoration Coalition, when it first came into existence, it wasn't an organization. It was uh, rather like a listserv, and it was started in 2003. It was a project that was born out of several uh, organizations coming together, like the Sentencing Project, the Brennan Center for Justice, the ACLU, and many others. And at one point, I think it had over 70 uh, organizations and uh, individuals statewide and nationally that was associated with the, the uh, listserv for the project. And it wasn't until 2000 and I believe 2011 that I officially incorporated the Florida Rights Restoration Coalition. And its founding members were all people who had previous felony convictions because mm. the original mission of the organization was to end felony disenfranchisement in Florida. And so we, since 2011, we really uh, turned the organization into a member-based organization that's comprised of people with previous felony convictions or people who have loved ones who's been impacted by the mm -hmm. uh, criminal justice system. And we don't only focus on felony disenfranchisement. We also focus on criminal justice slash reentry reforms, mm. you know, uh, as well, um, to just really, you know, really believing that, you know, if we can uh, fix the issues that impact the people with uh, some type of uh, criminal history, that, that will make all of society better place. Oh, incredible, incredible work, this organization. So I wanted to ask you what you think the biggest challenge is to getting returning citizens registered to vote, because I know that was a big part of the work that you did with Amendment 4. Uh, so what is a, a challenge that you guys face? 
Well, I think the biggest challenge is just awareness. You know, um, you know, there, you know, I, 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 I term this thing, it's the Juneteenth effect. Because uh, Juneteenth uh, really celebrates, like, the fact that um, slaves in Galveston, Texas, were unaware that slavery had ended until two years after the Emancipation Proclamation. And, you know, we have a similar situation here in Florida, actually really across the country, but particularly in Florida, you know, where what we've seen is that there are tons of returning citizens who don't even know what Amendment 4 is, much less that it passed and it restores voting rights to a lot of them. Mm-hmm. And so that is, you know, I think when it comes to, uh, and, and generally speaking, when it comes to voter registration or getting people physically engaged, you know, we fail miserably because the the government, the state, should be an active partner in making sure that every citizen uh, is encouraged to participate in our democracy, but they don't, you know, and right. so it's left to the nonprofits to really stimulate voter engagement when, you know, ideally it should be a uh, collaboration between uh know nonprofits and, and, and state agencies to do mm. so. Do you think that Florida I mean we, we know who's running our government here in yeah. Florida now. Do you think it takes it's depending on who's in charge that that doesn't happen? No, I don't I, I don't think so. Okay. <laughs> I, I really don't. I think it's just across the board, mm. you know, states are just not you know, they're not motivated to do so. You know, one thing that is a consistent through mm. line is that no matter, and, and that was why, you know, when I, in 2011, when I seen how, you know, because prior to 2011, people with less serious offenses were able to have their civil rights automatically restored. Mm-hmm. And when the new administration came in 2000, when they were voted in 2010 and in 2011 when they took office, the first thing the governor and his cabinet did was revise the policies to make it more difficult for mm-hmm. people to be able to have their rights restored. And what struck me was the fact that four politicians had the power, yeah. right, with, with nothing but a signature on a piece of paper to determine which American citizen can vote and which wow. can't vote. And I thought that that was too much power for any four politicians to have, whether they're Democrat, Republican, or whatever. Mm-hmm. No politics, because if a politician have that type of power, then it leaves open a likelihood of partisanship playing a role in determining who gets to vote and who don't get to vote. Right. And so we've seen that consistently throughout the years, no matter who was in power, mm-hmm. you know, we've seen it with gerrymandering, you know, yeah. both sides are scrambling for, you know, to get more votes for their side, you know, right. and what's left out of the equation are just regular everyday citizens. You know, who just want to live a normal life and, and, and enjoy the freedom of democracy. But, you know, yeah, no matter, I don't, you know, I really don't see any particular side just overwhelmingly trying to just get people engaged. It's more tribalism, uh, or more mm-hmm. tribalism approach that I see. And that's something that we don't like. I mean, even so, I mean, we've talked to a previous guest about um, the professor, Fernita Tolson, about how important it is for the federal level to pass this Voting Rights Act because states are either not doing anything or they're doing things way too far on the other side or do you know what I mean? So I wonder if that, too, would help because this is really like, I mean, she was saying our last chance, our last shot is like fixing 
these inconsistencies from state to state when it comes to voting rights. Yeah, you know, that's, <laughs> that's been going on for quite some time. You know, the, but the disappointment about the federal um, voting rights acts, I believe that if the federal government is doing something, that they should be hitting the ceiling, not somewhere mm. in between. And, you know, unfortunately, you know, they had some carve-outs in, 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 in the federal legislation that would not have applied to, uh, 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 that legislation would not have applied to people with previous felony convictions. Oh, wow. wow. And so I'm not necessarily, you know, doing backflips for this right. legislation. Right. If the federal government is going to do something, it should do it to the extreme, yeah. you know. Yeah, yeah. Um, and not just haphazardly because, you know, they're still leaving out too many people. And, you know, in Florida alone, there are 6 million people wow. with um, some type of criminal record, you know. And so we don't, you know, we don't get too excited about legislation that leaves some Americans out of the equation. Yeah. So you were fighting for years to get your voting rights back in the state of Florida, and you recently actually got clemency, correct? Yes. Which is humongous. Yes. I wanted to ask you about your um, your trying to get them, your rights back all of those years and then also what it felt like to finally receive clemency and be able to vote. Well, you know, so this, <laughs> so let me take the easy one first. You know, uh, when we passed Amendment 4, uh, it restored voting rights to people with previous felony convictions. It did not restore the rest of their civil rights. Right. And, and prior to the passage of Amendment 4, everything was attached to the restoration of civil rights. And those, the restoration of civil rights were attached to the, a lot of collateral consequences. For instance, um, even though I graduated law school, I couldn't apply to the Florida Bar, right, to become a licensed attorney wow. until my civil rights have been restored. Um, you know, for housing, you know, there are a lot of homeowners associations that have written within their bylaws provisions that would prevent me from owning or even renting a home. Wow. So, you know, and then there are different occupational licenses that are, are, you know, folks can't get it unless their civil rights have been restored. And so even though my voting rights got restored in Amendment 4, through Amendment 4, there were still a lot of things I couldn't do. So the restoration of my civil rights was huge mm. because now it really created a much broader pathway for me to fully engage, you know, in, 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 in life, fully engage in the economy, you know, really pursue life, liberty, and happiness, right? Um, but the voting rights, well, you know, when we launched the ballot initiative, what we did know was that out of all the civil rights, the voting rights was the most important one because nothing speaks more to citizenship than being able to vote. Yeah. And voting will give you power to help you change different policies. And so, you know, we, we went forward with the, with the voting rights piece. I didn't realize how powerful it was and how much it meant. Well, I really didn't until, you know, there was a couple uh, instances, but one in particular mine is when I went to vote in my very first presidential election or uh, prior to that during the primary, I voted for the first time in over 30 years. Wow. Um, 
And matter of fact, the only time I voted previously was right after I graduated high school. And voting didn't mean much to me then. Mm. I just did it just to do it. Right. You know. Uh, but 30 years later, you know, I, I go to vote and it was a very uh, surreal experience mm-hmm. for me. Uh, really made me appreciate, um, you know, all of the sacrifices and that was made for me to be able to vote. You know, the blood that was shed and, you know, even with my ancestors going through what they went through uh, back during uh, Reconstruction era. Yeah. You know, um, facing almost certain death just to register and then facing it again to go vote. You know, and then all of the thousands of volunteers that helped pass amendments for it. So it was a very special moment for me. And when I was voting, uh, actually voting in, in, in the middle of uh, choosing my candidate, mm-hmm. you know, I realized that I was really doing something that was sacred. Yeah. And that what I was doing transcended the, the politics and the, the racial biases. And it was really, I was engaged in the affirmation of my place in humanity, my humanity and my place in society. You know, and so it was it was huge. I wasn't voting as a Democrat or a Republican or black or white person. I was voting as a human being mm. uh, validating my existence and my worth in this in society and how my voice counted. That's incredible. Incredible. God. So I, I wanted to ask, because um, you're talking about, you know, this experience with you voting and currently, you know, that there are these new voting laws that were passed in our state in Florida that some say were crafted deliberately to stop minorities from voting. So what are your thoughts on that? Well, you know, just like I said before, I think that there's, this is something that is consistent over the years. You know, when you go back to, <laughs> you go back to the beginning of this country, right? Mm-hmm. There's always someone who is in power who thinks that certain people shouldn't have a say in how our government is ran. And when you go back to the very beginning, there were people who thought that women shouldn't have a voice, right. <laughs> you know, in, in determining, you know, how our, how our, their communities are being run. So that has always been something consistent. This is nothing new. Uh, and you know what? And you get them on both sides. And so I think that, you know, I, I classify this thing more generally as an attack against democracy. Right. And, 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 you know, I think that, Everyone, no matter what your political beliefs are, should fight to make sure that everyone gets uh, uh, clear and unencumbered access mm-hmm. to the ballot box. You know, when we were engaged in Amendment 4, we always said that we were fighting just as hard for the person who wished they could have voted for Donald Trump as we were for the person that wanted to vote for President Barack Obama. Right. Right. right? that when you talk about democracy, we, we cannot engage in tactics that only singles out certain people because that's not what democracy is about. It's about, listen, even though you and I may have differences of opinion, that we still respect the value of each other's voice, mm. right? And we know that it is a necessary element for a thriving democracy. 
I, wow. 100%. And wow. even when we've registered voters, yeah. we've been trained to register voters. And it's very clear. It's like almost You're the most not pure. Asking. Yeah, yes. there, there are very clear rules that is like the most pure part of democracy. It's like if you're registering someone and they check the Republican, it doesn't matter. Like that is you're doing your job now is to register a voter. And if they vote one way yeah, or the other, right. it's not that's not the point. The point is like, registering them to. Vote. Yes. And yeah. it, whatever party you belong to, this should be something that we should all be protecting and not trying to take it apart for to, you know, as a disadvantage to another party. It should just be about. You know, really, as regular citizens, it's all we have to right. for our voice. Yep. Some of us can't donate hundreds of thousands of dollars. Like our vo- our vote is worth has value. You yeah, know? That voice. yeah, it does. You know, when you go to vote, yeah, I tell people that the voting booth is the ultimate equalizer. Yes, because you have just as much power as the richest person in the world. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. it's true. Well, and and you talked yeah. to, uh, about um, sort of this lack of awareness or like people not understanding the importance, Mm -hmm. you know, of, of getting registered to vote. And I see, I, I'm a high school teacher and I see it on, on the high school level that my students don't really understand government on the local level. They don't understand the power of a vote that has like on a local state, let Mm -hmm. alone on the, you know, they understand more on the federal level. And I think, you know, we really need to be working towards having our youth understand uh, the power of voting too. Yeah. I think there's something lost there. Yeah. Well, most definitely. I mean, I think a lot, you know, what we see a lot of, even in schools, is, is more uh, a heavier concentration on the federal level rather than on the local level. Yeah. You know, and so I think that, you know, there ought to be some something to supplement that. And, you know, once you have conversations with, with, with students, and that's what I've found, is that and you really just break things down and it just clicks for them, you know, and, 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 and I mean, they get it. They get it, but the key is how we having these conversations with, you know, these students, how we have a conversation with regular people, because, mm-hmm. you know, all of the money and all of the hype is surrounded around uh, presidential elections and, you know, and in the midterms and not much money is spent, you know, um, and, and folks are missing out because the people who have the most direct impact on their lives are the people who are elected locally. Yep. Yeah. So, um, have you ever considered running for office? <laughs> <laughs> governor, that, Governor that, Mead, maybe? <laughs> that's, that's a thought. That's a thought. Really? You know, I love this. That's a thought. But, uh, you know, I, I, I would definitely have to put together a team and really explore all the different options. But definitely what I do believe is that this state, uh, this country, but more particularly this state, uh, need more public servants in office rather than politicians. Yes. Oh, a hundred thousand million percent. So is there anything new in the works for you that you want to share or talk about? Well, you know, listen, we're, we're continuing to uh, register people to vote. We're continuing to help people pay off their fines and fees, or mm-hmm. uh, we can now utilize the courts to get their fines and fees waived. And so we're moving forward with that. But then we're also really looking at it more holistically, uh, really talking about, you know, we, we've often said a chain can only, is only as strong as its weakest link. And, you know, I believe that that's true with our society. If we want our society to be greater, we must improve the segments of our society that has been the most weakened mm-hmm. by systems of oppression and racism and, and by narrative that says that some people's lives are less valuable than others. 
And so we are um, really working to, you know, strengthen the most weakened link. And we think that that those are people who've been impacted by our criminal justice system. And, you know, you know, they've said a rising tide lifts all boats, mm. you know, and, and so we believe, and, and we showed last year, you know, our organization, even though the uh, Florida legislature came up with uh, the law that required people to pay outstanding fines and fees, we didn't moan and groan about it. What we did was we rolled up our sleeves. We raised over $27 million and a beautiful <sighs> thing happened. Not wow. only were we able to spend over $27 million to help people pay off their fines and fees because no one should be forced to choose between putting food on their table or voting. Right. We also, in the process of doing so, in the process of expanding democracy, we were actually saving taxpayers dollars. We were saving people's jobs, mm. right? And our organization was the, I would say the, the, the single most organization that was responsible for uh, uh, pouring in more money into Florida's economy than any other organization. Wow. That's right? incredible. And so that's what we did. And then to supplement that, we traveled throughout the entire state distributing over a million masks to jails, prisons, mm. homeless shelters, uh, supervisors of elections office, over 500,000 ounces of sanitizers we were able to distribute throughout the state. And so there were no other organization. There was not one other organization that did as much for the state of Florida than my organization. And the sweet thing about it was it was done by people who were once the most despised. Mm. Right. And so we, we, we showed that, man, listen, when you're fighting for the least among us, man, we actually fighting for ourselves. Mm. Incredible. It's incredible. incredible. Can can you um just tell people where to go to, if they want to help uh, donate or volunteer of for your course. organization? Yes, anybody that wants to help donate or need help, mm. all they have to do is go online at www.floridarrc.com. That's floridarrc.com, and there are so many ways that they. Folks can get involved, they can volunteer, they can donate to our five fees fund. And if there's anyone that's out there who has a loved one who can't uh, uh, vote because they have outstanding five fees, they can get signed up for our program and we'll help them out. Amazing. Before we say goodbye, I wanted to tell you that we have met you before and yes. you probably don't remember, but um, Tina and I used to run um, Women's March Broward and we had a fundraiser to uh, raise money to pay off, pay off fines and fees and we had a movie screening and I like was scrambling to try to get you there and <laughs> you had all these plans that day and you were busy but, but somehow you, showed up. you were able to yes. make it and you came and you spoke and it was just so amazing. Wait, in Broward? Yes. yes. I remember that. Yes. Remember. Yes. The movie theater. Yes. Like, yeah. <laughs> okay. yes, at night. I yes. remember yes. that. Yes. It was yes. late yes. and you showed up and it was like this last minute beautiful it, thing. It was, it was really like great. Such, it was such a big deal for us. Yeah, so, we were so just 
thankful and excited yeah. to, to so have i'll make you. sure i add that picture into our post on social media the picture we have with you yeah. but um i mean <laughs> it's such an honor yes it was such an honor to meet you then and have you show up but it's like an incredible honor to have yes. you on this podcast we love 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 the work that you do and we're so proud that you're in florida because we we need to lift up the good yes. people in florida yes. <laughs> there's so many good people <laughs> doing good things so thank you so much for sharing your time with us today yeah thank you so much for having me of course anytime and i hope you have a wonderful thanksgiving yes you too thank, thank you, you. Bye. Take care. Bye. bye-bye bye-bye bye if you want to learn more about this week's guest, please follow the episode notes on our blog at themuckpodcast.fireside.fm and be sure to follow us on Instagram and Facebook at The Muck Podcast. To support The Muck Podcast, please visit our Patreon page. We have three levels of support and different goodies for each level, Muckraker, Policy Wonk, or Bleeding Heart. We can't do it without you. 